Hello and welcome to our December episode of Word of Mouth, our evangelization podcast in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Michael Horn, and today I'm with a great friend of mine, Vince Coiro. Vince is just a fantastic individual who is actually preparing for marriage, and he will be married in 20 days. So this episode is coming to you on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception today on December 8th, and Vince has a wonderful marriage date on December 28th. Just great to be with you, Vince. How are you doing today? Doing very, very well. Thank great, you. Great, great, great. I just want to remind our listeners before we cover Vince's story of faith, Just that uh, if you don't want to miss any episode of this Word of Mouth podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app that you have. Just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us, and once you've subscribed, make sure to rate us and to share with your friends. And so Vince Coiro, here he is among us, and he has a great story to share with us today. And so Vince, the first thing we like to talk about is just a little bit about your faith journey and uh, your encounters with Christ as you grew up. So it all started in a uh, wonderful town called South Bend, Indiana, uh, close to, I think, that one college called Notre Dame University. So growing up there, I started in Catholic school. I went to Corpus Christi and then followed by uh, St. Matthew's. There, I also went to a Catholic high school, Marion. Within my growth as a Catholic and a follower of Christ, I grew up, and one of the most profound uh, areas in my life was in second grade. I journeyed with a friend and went to his house one night. His family were very devoted. Every single night they would pray the rosary, and through this uh, they always made it a point to whoever was in their house uh, would come join them in prayer. And through this uh, intentionality, it was something very different than my own home. Prayer was something that in my own home that we sat around the table, but outside of that um, it would be, say, going to Mass every Sunday. But this was different. Uh, this experience with the rosary was very profound in my life and was definitely the building block and the firm foundation that I had. And kind of diving in a little bit deeper on that, really the rosary, and throughout that time period, I was in second grade, which was right around the 2001 time frame. They were just bringing in the Luminous Mysteries. Being able to follow Christ's journey and focus on each one of the mysteries every single decade you're kind of moving through was very, very important and enriching to go through the sufferings more or less again and again, especially with the Sorrowful Mysteries, mm-hmm. because Friday was the night that I definitely spent the night over to the Nolan's house just because that was the start of the weekend, and that's where all the fun begins. So understanding the Lord's passion in a very close way uh, was very eye-opening and truly caught my eye. Kind of fast-forwarding into high school, I was involved in altar-serving within the choir as well, and then other various activities such as basketball, but there wasn't any kind of extra motivation to do really anything else. So I started to kind of have a steadying swing or kind of go in life, Uh, and through this steadying, it wasn't raising my trajectory, so to speak, and it wasn't going down. And entering into college, I needed to pick that up. But alas, unfortunately, I tried to connect with the uh, Catholic parish there. Uh, I went to Purdue University, a wonderful university, and they also have a good Newman Center. Uh, I unfortunately, though, attended on one night where I encountered two individuals who were speaking of uh, who's a better Catholic, cradle Catholic or convert Catholic. This, to me, didn't really speak of the generosity or the humility that 
Catholics should be going for. It was very prideful and something that kind of seemed derogatory towards me. So I never really dug into the community there and would just attend Mass on those Sundays. And through that, I would kind of say my journey started to dry up and there was less and less growth. And with less and less growth, you become more accustomed to falling. Uh, And throughout college, I started to fall. Uh, Sophomore year, started that slump towards the end of the year in terms of attending Mass less and less. Also things uh, within my family, my sister ended up converting during my time in college, as well as moving from the United States and moving over to Turkey. So through that, I definitely experienced some turmoil and some questioning within the faith in terms of uh, struggling with salvation, in terms of if I'm not to see my sister again on this earth for some strange reason, whether it be uh, something happening in Turkey or plane ride that went south, where would that reconnection be? Um, so struggled with that, and then as well, junior year, struggled more with the faith in terms of picking it up and really making it my own and growing in it. I attended one or two uh, non-denominational Christian places and really didn't find the presence there of God that I found in the Catholic Church, that being a parent missing the Eucharist. So then following junior year, I made it to the wonderful city of St. Louis for a short period of time for an internship. Uh, I ended up finding a roommate and the first two or three days, my roommate told me that he has same-sex attraction and uh, has a boyfriend. And at that point in time, I was somewhat unfazed by it. And we became good friends, really kind of found him to be the only person in St. Louis that I like started to hang out with. So throughout kind of visualizing the same-sex attraction in a more personal kind of light, uh, that kind of also changed and twisted my uh, perspective a little bit more. So then coming back to Purdue from that senior year, five pivotal figures came into my life, one from the previous year. So senior year, just to give you a quick preface, was the beginning of the downfall to one of the biggest areas of depth, Uh, not depth, but desolation. And there were five pivotal figures that kind of brought me back up and out. But to explain that kind of demise it was January 2016. It was my birthday, and I experienced a moment of profound desolation where not even my best of friends could go ahead and fill that void or fill that love. So I knew there was something missing, and I had known it for a while, but I didn't really understand the steps to go back. So these five characters joined the story. Uh, I was an RA at the time, resident assistant, uh, and one of the residents that I had on my floor came in. It was his first year, and he was determined to leave Purdue and then enter the seminary over in Evansville to become a Catholic priest. And it was almost like God put him in my life because, hey, Vince, like you need another good role model in your life. So he was a very profound figure just in his overall willingness to kind of share the faith and be there as a intentional figure. Another friend, uh, Sarah Weaver, she'll be at my wedding, and she came into my life. I was picking her up from a bar one night to bring her back home, and I was ended up talking to her about where I was, and this was right in the December time frame, and I told her that I didn't believe in God, and there was really no way that I felt like I was 
going to come back at that point. Uh, she was crushed by this and started sending prayers my way as soon as she, she could. And she was there as kind of a support system, which was wonderful. Two other characters entered the story as well, Nick and JP. So Nick and Jay were both RAs as well, and they were very devout Christians in the evangelical faith. They always had their Bibles around. They were always uh, kind of setting up different Bible studies uh, and really staying within the scriptures. And that, once again, intentional, very focused, very pointed, regimented kind of lifestyle really stuck out and spoke to me that, once again, I need to come back to God, but I didn't know how to do it and had no kind of true direction to kind of start making that route back. Throughout one of the conversations I had with Nick, I was struggling with the reading on the Tower of Babel, and I was struggling with it because I felt the Tower of Babel occurred, and that was the reason for all these different variations in religion. All these people couldn't talk to each other, so they talked amongst themselves to pivot and change the story of God. Nick was very fervent in telling me, no, you're you're twisting God's words, and that's not what the story is supposed to be. The story is supposed to say you're not supposed to try and go up to God's level. You're supposed to submit to God's will. And he also shared his own story about uh, his mother and her turning away from the faith and how he expects her to submit to God's will when it comes to either going to heaven or going to hell. So that was a very important witness that Nick had in my life. And then one of the last pivotal characters— as soon as January occurred, that moment on my birthday, things started to shift in me, and I started to grow and started to kind of pick up and head back towards the faith. But it took me until Palm Sunday in 2016, uh, where I asked Veronica, hey, can you come back and take me to church, more or less? So I finally went back to church on Palm Sunday. Kind of following that, I went back to Mass two more times, and then finally went to confession, and then finally received after that the following Sunday. And throughout this uh, journey coming back to the faith. Matthew 13 really spoke in my head when I was coming back to the city of St. Louis. Vince, you were in this very desolate place, and you were like a seed in the ground that had no water and was surrounded by thorns. There was no room for you to grow. Uh, you need to go ahead and find fertile land, find people who will help your journey towards the faith and back to Christ. So ever since coming back to St. Louis, uh, I've really made that my mission to try and be around people, be around Bible studies, different young adult groups around the area to really head back towards the faith. So that, in a nutshell, has been my faith journey so far. Also, since coming back to St. Louis, like you said earlier, I found an excellent woman, uh, and we'll be marrying her come December 30th. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story, Vince. And as we move to the next question, we already have had you answer it about uh, your vocation and life and your mission. Part of that question for sure. We also talk a little bit about what you think your purpose and your dreams are in life. So obviously your vocation is marriage. And can you talk a little bit about how you discovered marriage as your vocation and then just some other aspirations that you have? With marriage, I'll start off, I guess, in one area, vocation to the priesthood. I never really felt that in my life. I never felt that calling. I don't know why. I'm very curious normally when I'm talking to either seminarians or people pursuing the priesthood on, hey, what did that feel like? Because uh, I felt the book called marriage. And in terms of that call to marriage, uh, I felt it very profoundly, especially through watching my father's uh, everyday actions, uh, watching his love towards my mother through growing up and also watching his 
ever generous love uh, on a day-to-day basis towards us. And I knew I wanted to kind of use that example in my own life. And that has been what I felt called to do. Whether it's the little things that you did in terms of just always doing the dishes when not asked, or simply always being around the house to do the next project or work on whatever car needs to be worked on without being asked. That sense of self-sacrifice always. That all started in the seventh grade. I knew that it would have been one of the things that if it was in front of me, a fast forward button in seventh grade just to click and go ahead and fast forward to past college. That would be a very interesting temptation. But I'm glad that I've made the journey so far. So that has been my vocation. Uh, In terms of mission and or dreams, I would love to be a business owner one day. Currently, I work at Boeing. Currently, kind of one of the areas that I would love to venture in, in terms of within Boeing, uh, is an area called Boeing Ventures. Uh, They kind of work with small businesses in terms of their technology and figure out how they can mend it into what Boeing does overall. But I would love to have that sense of owning a small business or working with a business around St. Louis, because that community aspect is very important to me. I feel like the community is something that's starting to be taken away with the the dawn of internet businesses and how easy it is to go ahead and buy something from either a different country or, say, from Amazon. It brings the world in a more disconnected way, but I would love to start my own business and kind of bring things back to a home base, and St. Louis as well, too. Excellent. And what blessings and challenges have you experienced through your life? Vince, I know you touched on a little little bit of that in the faith journey that you shared with us, and certainly in your mission and vocation, but just what blessings and challenges have you experienced as you've journeyed through a short life so far? So blessings, uh, one of them right off the bat, being able to work at Boeing, move to St. Louis, that has been an incredible blessing and an unexpected blessing. I was my junior year of college. Four of my friends said, hey, I want to do this case competition. And I was like, sure, I'll jump in and join you guys. And all four of them had the intention of, I want to go work for Boeing. And I was just like, I want to do this competition. It seems kind of fun. And we ended up winning and then coming to St. Louis and then winning here. I ended up getting the phone call on the Tuesday and getting an internship here, then moving to St. Louis for that summer and then coming back around and getting a full-time offer. It's been a wonderful fit for me. My dad works in aviation and my brother works out in SpaceX on the rockets over there. So flight is in the family. That has been a wonderful blessing in itself in terms of work. But another great blessing has been my family and their love for me as well as love from a distance. Uh, My brother lives out in California. My sister lives over in Turkey. And my parents, fortunately enough, live over in Evansville, which is only two and a half hours away. We all make it a point to do a good job in terms of video chatting. Thankfully, the Lord, I mean, the world is connected Mm -hmm. in that way, but it is normally kind of hard around the holidays due to that. So it is a challenge in itself as well, too, Mm -hmm. because normally only one of uh, my siblings can make it into town for the holidays. So having a Thanksgiving in, say, August isn't unusual. Unfortunately, my sister won't be able to make it to the wedding. Turkey isn't really big around the Christmas Mm -hmm. holidays, so they still have school and work during that time, so she couldn't get off during that to come over here, which makes relationships uh, inside the family and outside the family very important to be intentional. Ask questions, not of, hey, how's your day going, but hey, what do you think about 
elephants painting beach balls and seeing where conversation goes and then kind of talking about the enslavement of elephants. So things can get very interesting in terms of bringing conversation to that life, but at least we're growing in something that we've never talked about before. And in terms of never talking about things before, another one of the challenges has been kind of discussing the Catholic faith. My family really doesn't practice at all anymore, and I think partly because discussing the Catholic faith hadn't really been too much of intentional point during our younger years in life. We went to Catholic school, so it was kind of taken for granted, but never nourished or developed. Throughout that, it has been a challenge to speak about that, but I've been growing throughout the past year to be more open and really be a witness of the faith for them, as well as kind of being able to talk about it. It's, it's difficult when you're the youngest in the family, because you've never had, I guess, lead so to speak, as that witness. And then last but not least, it had been a challenge as well too, uh, leading up to marriage, to really kind of tell my parents that this is the commitment that I was looking to make, kind of bringing them to grasp, you're ready, you can do this. That had also been a bit of a challenge as well mm-hmm. when talking about just proposing. Absolutely. And then finally, just in this opening segment, Vince, what would you say is the meaning of evangelization? What is evangelization? My biggest part of evangelization is I feel like a lot of people get a misconception about it in terms of I need to go tell John about the faith so then John can go ahead and believe. But the way I've encountered evangelization on a first-person perspective and then also seeing other people around me is it's very important to witness to your faith on a regular basis in areas that are either unexpected or within the mundane as well. People aren't going to go about the perspective of you're going to win me in an argument. They're going to be curious on why do you have your Bible open at this point in the day when you're on, say, an airplane, which Mm -hmm. happened to me once. I was going ahead and reading uh, the gospel readings for our marriage, uh, for me and Allie's upcoming marriage. There was a guy and his son next to me, and he, he turns to me and looks and looks away and then opens his phone up, and his son looks at him and goes, hey, Dad, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm reading the uh, the Bible verses for today. And he's like, oh, okay, and then goes back to playing his game. But he then followed it up with, yeah, someone inspired me. So I feel like evangelization is the witness on an open and comfortable level. Sure. It takes a while to go ahead and get into that comfortable level, but to kind of build up to that point, what I could see is a, what a true evangelist does. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, that's great. And so that's that's Vince's story and his thoughts on uh, how things have shaped up so far in his life. And so based on the story at the beginning with the power of the rosary, I figured that we would center on the power of the rosary for our catechesis today for this section. So in 2002, St. John Paul II published the apostolic letter on the Most Holy Rosary, or in Latin, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, and commended the praying of the rosary as a central part of the new evangelization for all of us. Also in Novo Millennio Iniunte, he reminded us that the new evangelization can only be accomplished by Christ himself. If we are to serve as his co-workers, we must first know, love, and obey him by contemplating his face through prayer and worship. And so Christ is always the center of evangelization, and we are just his co-workers. St. John Paul II described praying the Holy Rosary as nothing other than contemplating with Mary the face of Jesus Christ. Praying the rosary is sitting at the school of Mary, whereby the Blessed Mother leads us to her son. 
at this school, we come to know God's immeasurable love for us in Christ. And so the method of the rosary may seem very simple or too rote for many of us, but this prayer is profound. We pray the Hail Mary repeatedly, a most simple prayer, while contemplating the principal events in the life of Christ. The mysteries of the rosary give us communion with Jesus through the eyes and heart of his mother. Through this prayer, ultimately we are able to enter more deeply into the mystery of God, the Father's love, who sent his Son in our human flesh. There are a couple objections to the rosary that we often hear. Some believe that the rosary is somehow contradictory to the emphasis on the sacred liturgy or the Eucharist. But St. John Paul II answered this objection by directing us to the words of Pope Paul VI, who observed that the rosary in no way conflicts with the liturgy, but rather sustains and faithfully echoes it. In other words, praying the rosary leads us to the desire for communion with Christ through the sacraments and sacramentals. Praying the rosary also helps us to reflect more deeply upon how we share in Christ's redemptive incarnation, which we will celebrate in a few short weeks. This redemption is ours through participation in the sacred liturgy. Praying the rosary prepares us to participate in the sacred liturgy and also helps us to realize the fruits of our liturgical participation in our daily living. The second objection that is very common against praying the rosary is that it hinders ecumenism. The truth, though, is that the rosary is wholly directed to Christ himself and leads us to contemplate the face of Christ and to do what Christ asks of us in our lives. The rosary leads us to a deeper understanding and living of the mystery of God's love for us in Christ, and so is an effective means of promoting Christian unity. And finally, in our reflections on the rosary, we ponder two special intentions. We are asked to pray the rosary for peace in the world and in the family. Terrorism, civil strife, and warfare are found throughout the world today. The rosary is our means of looking upon Christ, who alone brings peace to the world. At the Fatima apparitions in 1917, Our Lady told us to pray the rosary for peace in the world. Our contemplation of the face of Christ leads us naturally to the desire of reconciliation and peace. Christ, by his saving passion and death, has broken down all walls which divide us, the walls thrown up by sin. Going with Mary to Christ, we find his peace and are enabled to bring his peace to others. And secondly, St. John Paul II asks us to pray for peace in the family, the primary cell of society, and the first place in which we come to know, love, and obey God. He reminds us how family life is under constant attack today and needs the help which comes from the rosary. The Holy Father commended especially the praying of the family rosary as an antidote to the many forces which can easily distance family members from one another and even destroy family life. So let us cling, brothers and sisters, to this great devotion, the Holy Rosary, so that we may know the love of our God more richly and contemplate the face of Christ. O Virgin of Guadalupe, star of the new evangelization, lead us to Christ. And so as we wrap up with our reflections on the rosary, we just want to ask Vince for some closing thoughts on practical steps for evangelization as we go forth today on this beautiful solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Rolling back to the what is evangelization question and then talking about steps, don't go into it in terms of I need to go ahead and convert John or bring John back. Go into it and witness on a day-to-day life. Let Christ work through you. Let Christ bring those to you that he finds ready. He is the shepherd. He's bringing us back. We're just his mere instruments. Mm -hmm. So understanding that humble place that we need to be at is, in my 
opinion, the, the steps to evangelization, being open with witnessing to the faith on a day-to-day basis, and then continuing that throughout every day um, and sustaining that. Amen. Just authenticity and sharing that joy that manifests itself in so many different ways. So thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Thank you, Vince, for your testimony and your thoughts on evangelization and your personal story. It's been a blessing to be with you today. And happy solemnity to everyone out there. And also just a reminder that if you don't want to miss any episode of the Word of Mouth podcast for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, be sure to subscribe on any of the podcast apps available and just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us. And once you've subscribed, make sure to rate us and share us with your friends. And since this is the uh, last podcast we'll be doing before the great feast of Christmas, just a blessed Christmas to you all and to your families. May God bless you.